This is Pucks in 7 with Ryan Payton and Victoria Matiash. New name, same game, same people. So nobody turn it off, nobody turn away, tune away, whatever that is. This is Pucks in 7, Ryan Payton, Victoria Matiash. We're back at it for another week. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Victoria Matiash and at Ryan Payton 75. Vic, of course, does some great work for one of the major news outlets in Toronto, ESPN Fantasy as well. We'll get into her fantasy take later on. I was on the air this past weekend with uh, Dennis Bernstein, Dave Pagnot. First time in studio, Vic, in four four years with them, two and a half for me. It was looking like you had a good time, yeah, for did. sure. <laughs> and we should mention, we're only on Twitter until Twitter craters for once and for all, right? Because yeah. that's, and then, when I don't know, gonna Mastodon, here oh we come. <laughs> Which is what? Yeah. Funny, you texted me to, that to me the other day, and I love what? What's that? If, if Twitter doesn't anyway, survive, there will be a replacement for Twitter, yeah. and we will be on that. But we for will. now, we're still on, yeah, Twitter still on Twitter in its skeletal form. Uh, changes, changes, <laughs> changes. Social media. Also, on uh, so many different platforms, ever you get your podcasts, Amazon, uh, Spotify, Google, um, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts as well. So we're available out there for you. We're going to get into the week that was, look at the week to come. We'll drop the clink hammer, of course, um, and the Vic's fantasy stuff later on. But the Hockey Hall of Fame weekend, always fun. Two things about it. Number one, you honor the greats that were in hockey, not just NHL, but Hockey Hall of Fame. It's not the it National is the, Hockey It is the Hockey Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. We're Fame. much better at that in the last 20 years right? than we have been historically. Yeah, we can take, want to take the whole podcast with this? Oh, boy. <laughs> one day. Uh, always nice to see those being honored. Uh, for what they did in the game. And the debate always is too, who should be in that isn't in. I sometimes think that's almost more of a discussion point than who actually is going in. But the players going in, uh, the Sedin twins in Vancouver, enough said. I'll talk a bit about a minute. You can too. Uh, Roberto Luongo as well. Daniel Alfredson. Uh, Swedish, I guess, heavy, if you will. About half this year, Hall yeah. Of Fame. And they all had different different roles in, in their teams. Um the Sedins and, and Roberto together in Vancouver. Uh, Daniel Henry played all, all the time with with Vancouver. Always thought too when they came in. I remember the draft day. I remember the draft and they and they look they're twins, right? So they get up and two twins playing in the same team. And I thought, okay, if one leaves at some point, the other will follow. And it never happened. It never happened. Well, and I, they already they predetermined that wasn't going to happen. And the way that Brian Burke, who was running the Vancouver Canucks at the time, and what he actually had to do to pull that off yeah. is quite incredible. Actually, a plug. I've never met Brian Burke, but you should read his book, yeah. Berkey's Law. Great book. It I is fantastic. It. Yeah. And he goes into details how he got the Sedins and all the perspiration and sweat, blood, and tears that uh, had to go into making that happen in the first place. It's quite fascinating. They were amazing. They were mainstays in Vancouver. Uh, not just two. I think the Hall of Fame recognizes this. And I think what they need to do is not only the stats and numbers you put on the ice, but what you do for the game, what you do for the city. They're great you, ambassadors, What for sure. you do for that position. And uh, Roberto Luongo, uh, one of the better goalies that I've seen. I said this on the weekend. I said for some goalie who's coming in, um, a lot of goalies are tall these days. A lot more taller ones, I think, than the big guys. Yeah. They're bigger. He was able to find a way to to win, and is he was he a able Panther to move. or connect to you. He's a connect to me. Me too. He's a connect. To me. Some people will argue. I know. Because- and you know what? For about an eighth of a second, I had to think about that. But no, he's a connect to me. I agree with you, uh, Daniel so, Alfredson. Is he a senator or senator. Red Wing? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Wait. Wait. No, Ottawa. I'll go Ottawa. He what had, is it, 16 years versus yeah, a season? Yeah, whatever it was. I think, I think I'll take him as a senator as well. Alfie was great for Ottawa. Um, he was the face of that franchise. Yeah, he was. He, he was enduring. Is it, is, it fair to say, is it fair to say that he really put Ottawa on the map? He helped. Helped. Definitely. Okay. So some before him, some after him, but he's a sen uh, all in all. I remember the one, he was a bit of a pest too. He was. He could get under your skin. Remember that moment when Matt Sundin through the when stick he imitated it, the and then stick. he imitated the stick right. after it broke. But I want, but, I want more of that. Yeah. And he had a little bit of that and you could tell he has the personality. Right. And uh, so I'm very much looking forward to uh, his speech as well. It's intriguing too. You look at uh, how close these individuals came to getting a Stanley cup. They never won a Stanley cup, but Isn't they that came something? close. They came close. Four great talents. Very close. Alfie three wins in 2007. They lost to Anaheim. Uh, the, the Luongo and the Sedins 
came within one game in 2011. They lost to Boston. So they were so close. And that's one of the things, too. I won't belabor this too much because you want to talk about somebody else going in. There are two other people yeah, two who others. are also worth mentioning for sure. But even if you don't win the Stanley Cup, to me, if you put up numbers like they did, you are um, just ambassadors for the game. And you will be remembered for all time. You deserve to get in. One hundred percent. I don't. I just wonder. I is there are there any other classes full of NHL players where there hasn't been a single cup winner? I'm going to look that up. Right. We should have probably looked that up before bringing it right. up right on the air. But you know, um, those, we'll have a look later. Yeah, those four join a group of twenty-four. So now there's twenty-eight players in the hall that fell short of winning the Stanley Cup. Twenty-eight. Only twenty-eight. Right. So winning the cup's pretty big, I guess. Anyway. It is. It is. And in other sports, they say it. If you haven't won a Super Bowl, right. you've never really made it, right? right? right. But uh, in the builders' category, this is you know incredibly overdue. Herb Carnegie, yeah. and um, it would have been nice. He actually he was born in 1919. He was a big builder in the game. He created the Future Ages Hockey School. He was an incredible player himself. Obviously, never got to play. I shouldn't say obviously because we should have been smarter back in the time then. But wasn't able because of rampant racism. Yep. Was not invited in the league. There was some discussion with the New York Rangers at one point. There's a famous story, and he still went on, and he still did great things in the game that did not love him back as much as it should have. And there's a famous story with Con Smythe, who was a builder of the game as well, but even a man of his time was one of the nastier individuals yeah. around, and he actually uh, allegedly publicly offered somebody ten thousand dollars to make him white so he could play in the game. And, that, and that's what he dealt with. And he still yeah. stuck with the sport yeah. for decades after that, helped other players. And it's really neat now that his actually his granddaughter is one part of the ownership group of the Toronto Six. So there's a neat full circle thing happening. And there. Carnegie said that that shattered him. How that shattered him because it was his, it was his boyhood team. He grew up watching the, it would shatter anybody, but they, yeah, the, in, in the hall of fame, fame blurb too, about those going in, that was, that was, I think in the top paragraph, that story about what he went through. It's an indication of the time. And, and that was not an isolated incident no, no, as anybody no, knows no, no. the history of the game or no, the no. history of us as a society. Yeah. Um, we're better now. We still have a long ways to go from terms of inclusion of people from all walks of life and people of color and all the rest of it. But he, he dealt with it. In a, in a far harsher manner, still played pro hockey in the Quebec yeah. League, so it was quite fascinating. He should have went into the Hockey Hall of Fame 25, 30 years ago when he would have been around to appreciate it, but I suppose better late than never, and his family is is here to appreciate it. Yeah, so, the better late than never thing is that- It happens. bugs me too. It does. It's not just in hockey. It's other sports, and like the Negro Leagues finally getting acknowledged in baseball, all that type of stuff. A quick question. Do you know what his nickname was, Carnegie? Herb Carnegie? No. Swivel hips. Swivel hips. Swivel hips. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little sensual, eh? Yes, There's right? something else to it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very, <laughs> well very well deserving. Very well deserving. And then, um, of course, we have Rika Salonen, yeah. the uh, first female to come from European-born and playing over there. A lot of people don't know much about her. Let's just say she played for decades, essentially, since she was a little kid. She played pro hockey over there. She started with boys. She finally started playing in the professional women's leagues. But the famous part about her is she retired. She started a family. Mm -hmm. She had two kids. She was out of the game for a decade. And then in 2013, she came back. And she wanted, she wanted to come back. She yeah. talked to her trainer. And her trainer said, you can do it. And she said, I don't know. And her trainer thought in his head, I don't think she can. But he didn't say that. He convinced her to try, even though he didn't think she would make it she came back won a bronze medal at age 44 for yeah. finland representing 44 44 and, and, and she continued to play after that amazing and uh and uh, so her story is phenomenal i'm glad we're learning a little bit more about it and we wouldn't if she wasn't going into no. the hockey hall of fame so that's again the first female uh european to be applauded for sure. And and she's not going to be at the ceremony because she's a, a committed uh, physical therapist who works with people who are very sick and disabled. And she just thought with all the different illnesses and viruses traveling around, she did not want to take the risk no. with traveling. And so again, selfless, sacrificial. It's too bad that she's not going to have the party around her, but we're still going to celebrate her. Some of the numbers too. Uh, 11 seasons in the Elite League in Finland, five-time mm -hmm. champion. And listen to these numbers, 135 games that she played in the 11 seasons over in the Elite League, 201 goals, 395 she points, 2.92 2 points per game average. And in one season, she was at 6.14 
points per game. <laughs> I mean, and you know what it's I like, next level. Yeah. And, and you know what I love about this is that when it comes to women's hockey, you know this especially, it's come a long, long way. And for somebody in Finland who watched her play all those years ago, because, you know, it was Canada, U.S., and it still is always them battling for the gold, and it's, it's, it's tiresome. It is. It's fun to watch, but to me, it's tiresome. It's limiting. It's limiting. And there's, there's these other teams that are, are trying, to, trying to get closer to them, but they're not quite there yet. But they're much further ahead now than they were years ago. My point is, some little girl in Finland, right. looking at this story right now. They have a role model. My goodness. They have yeah, a role kids, model, and they didn't have one twenty five years ago. Came back, and off you went. So good on them. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great night. Always is, and uh, the NHL does such a great job. It was a really speaking of nights, Vic, and your thoughts on this too, because it was one of those. There's certain moments in sports uh, in life that that get you, and this was a moment that nobody will ever forget. And this was one of those moments that was not a dry eye in the building or anybody watching on TV. It was on Friday. Saturday was one thing. Talking about Scotiabank Center. Gloria Salming. Right. So it was one thing on Saturday when he came out, dropped the puck. But the Friday night to me was the one that got it. So Pittsburgh against Toronto. For those that haven't seen it, please do. But just on one part of the camera, some of the Leaf greats, Landy McDonald, Matt Sundin, Daryl Sittler, and Boria Salming. Boria's dealing with ALS. Uh, which is I mean, all these diseases are awful, but this is just crippling. This one, uh, this one feels particularly vicious. Yeah. ALS is it's a Lou Gehrig's Lou disease Gehrig's, yeah. amongst uh, to say colloquially. Well, it just it it shuts your complete neural system down. Right, and you're you can still think about things, but your body doesn't respond. And already he's on a feeding tube, and he can't yeah. speak now. So, and you can see it. It's physically he's a uh, he's overwrought. And and Daryl, uh, his name was being announced. Boria's name was being announced, and Daryl took his left hand and grabbed Boria's right hand and, right. and raised it up. And then Boria cried, and Daryl cried, and they hugged. And it literally, it it took it took a lot out of me. It really did, um, because I thought, here's this. And then the video they they played on Saturday, in I'm not saying in memory of him, not gone, but all a lot of the things. It was he very did in much. It was very much a goodbye, though. Yes, we we did say goodbye yes, to yes, Salming true, true. over this weekend for sure. I forgot how much of a warrior he was. And you talk about women trying to make trying to make waves in hockey. Europeans back then trying to make waves in hockey. He wasn't treated very nicely at all. Not at all. And Not he at all. was and he was cut a very tough cloth. He was a special player. I mean, we, we both grew up in the greater Toronto area and we're of a similar vintage as well. So I mean, I think both of you and I really started to appreciate the Leafs during that era of Rick Vive and Boris Salming. Yeah. And yeah. um and he was a special guy in my household. Coming my family is an immigrant family. My father came from overseas, first generation Canadian. And to watch for him, even though he's not from Sweden, he's from Ukraine, but to see somebody else come over over and they're from away they're mm -hmm. not from here mm -hmm. and to accomplish what he accomplished with his many years with the maple leafs he was a special player in our house he wasn't necessarily our favorite player individually but he was the guy so to watch on saturday night i know friday night was amazing as well but the tri the tribute video and then watching those guys get emotional i mean you just have oh. to keep the kleenex nearby yeah. it's tough man it's tough and it's tough to see what's happening to him now. He's only 71 years old. He should be in his champagne years with his wife, having a wonderful retirement. He still looks like a million bucks. He does. He, was, he, he was, kept himself in great shape. He was a new shape. painting um, right. subject right. just like a few years ago. I know, yeah. yeah. Anyway, and, um, and he's been in incredible shape. He was an incredible player. He was tough. He skated like the wind. And it's it's sad to see, but it is nice that we actually got to say goodbye. I no. don't think he's going to be around much longer, unfortunately, but we did. We all got, he got the goodbye. We got the goodbye to a very, very special player. It was amazing. Uh, no words could describe what we saw, but certainly they they found the right words. We've and been talking we're gonna, about it now. I'm getting a little verklempt, yeah. as they say. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna remember him for a long time, um, and not not just him, but the whole ceremony and just everything like that. Um, speaking of remembering for a long time, how long do you think the Buffalo Sabres fans? at home we'll remember what Jack Eichel did. So we're now going to fast forward to present day players, <laughs> right. and Jack Eichel, who is a uh, that segue wasn't good. I thought no, that segue was fine. I thought it was pretty smooth. Anyway. So looking at the week that was, yes. as we are doing, right. it was uh, Jack Eichel's first visit yeah. to the Sabres yeah. after we know all the drama of being pushed out, traded away. I still think a pretty beneficial, mutually beneficial trade to both sides. But this was his healthy hum homecoming because he feels like a million bucks now. Mm -hmm. He's playing great. And... 
I'm, I'm as a fantasy writer, I was like, make sure if you play daily fantasy, you have. <laughs> I wrote it; it's uh-huh. on record. You uh-huh. have Jack Eichel in your lineup when he's visiting Buffalo. Yeah. One hat trick later, <laughs> unbelievable. But you know what? Are, yeah. are, are we surprised? No, I'm not. I did. I, I didn't predict a hat trick. I thought he'd get a pair. I, did uh, say, I thought he would get a pair. Yes, I, I did say last week to you, and this is another admission that I was at fault because I did say that I thought there would be some sort of love from Buffalo from the faithful. There would be whatever you tribute. Don't spend enough time like in that. Buffalo. No, I'm telling you that I've been to one game in Buffalo, <laughs> and it's nasty. I should remember that. But they're when, loyal to their team. They're not nasty. No, no. Buffalo fans are very invested, yeah, 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 yeah. but they're loyal to their team. And he basically gave them the middle finger. Ryan, yeah. he left and he didn't, and it wasn't nice. Yeah, no. All right. This wasn't the Claude Giroux. We'll get to that in a yeah. minute. That was a different parting of ways. This was a big mutual middle finger the, on both sides. Marriage never worked in Buffalo. It it for never a couple of years, but it was always felt he's a, he's a spicy character. Yeah. And I think, and I have no problem with this. I want more players like this in the game. I don't have, you don't have to have dinner with the guy. You don't have to like him as a human being. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with him at all. I don't know Jack Eichel. Maybe he's lovely, but he brings a bit of spice and character. And when he saluted the crowd after scoring the third goal, is an empty netter as well, which yeah. is just like. Oh, from his own end, right? From his own <laughs> end. Pass too, so it was great. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's just sticking it to them. Yeah. And then uh, that's great for the sport. And now they're going to, when they play each other moving forward, it's going to be fun. It's going to be must watch TV if you can't be there in person. And that's what's, this is entertainment. Sports is entertainment. It's a and diversion. It's, it's fantastic. And it's not a rivalry between Buffalo and Vegas. It's only to see Jack I back in Buffalo. And Buffalo fans. Yeah, that's that's the rivalry. That's so people are making, oh, it's this, is this kind of the, the joke rivalry now in the NHL. They only play each other twice every season. It's like, and in the playoffs, they would only meet up in the Stanley cup final, which isn't going to happen this year for certain. There was, there was a a moment. uh, I know tons of pitchers were taken that night and stills, but there was a, after his first goal, he scored. It was when he went behind the net after he scored and he just kind of looked up to the crowd. And there were these three or four guys, maybe early mid twenties, something like that. Maybe late teens. I don't know. All Buffalo fans, front row, on the glass. In the crowd. And their faces are just deadpanned on him. No expression. You know, no fingers up. No nothing. Just, uh, really? Crap. <laughs> <laughs> he just did that. And they probably knew he was going to do it again. Now, to your point, two goals, maybe three. Didn't know about that, but I'm for him. Good for him. Oh, it's totally good. And, it's, it, and also, he looks incredible this oh, he does. year. He does. So it's not like he has been sleeping no. and then he came out for one game only. He yeah. has been great all season. That line, yeah. that line is fantastic. Oh, the, uh, yeah, um, uh, Stone, Stone and line, uh, yeah. Stevenson. Oh, my gosh. Like Top line of hockey? Maybe? Possibly? Top close three, to it? Top three? 100%. Yeah. Top three? 100%. Speaking of uh, uh, homecomings, this Cold, one was nicer. Cold Drew's. It was a little softer, a little, <laughs> a little bit more cuddly. It was a lot nicer. <laughs> uh, they played two, I think, the week before, yeah. close to that. And uh, I believe Ottawa lost. And I think there was the shot on the bench of him after they, I mean, it was a close game. They, they almost came back and they lost. And, and he, he looked devastated. He looked, you know, very, because it meant something to him. Of course. Not just to beat Philly. Even though I know it was not about, but this one was different because he came back to Philly. He came back to Philly. So he's going back. So Claude Giroux is going back to the place that he played for years and years and years. The only place he ever played for in the NHL. And I, I we were joking about this last week. Is he going to walk into the wrong dressing room? Is like, <laughs> is he going to park in like the, not the visitors yeah. parking lot? Of, I'm sure these things are all sorted out, but you know what I mean? These are his, these are his halls. And this was his first visit back and he did contribute. And this Ottawa Senators did win the game and the tribute video was was really quite great it was um nothing you could not applaud at the end but again that was a nicer parting of ways that was a parting of ways that made sense for the flyers at the time too so there isn't any nastiness there it's not like you know fly and flyers fans are their own brand and uh they don't have any hatred for claude Giroux whatsoever shouldn't have any hatred for claude so it's a little bit different if you i'm sure they're a little pissy they didn't win the game but they can still appreciate what he did for them for so many years. If you hit free agency in any sport, 
this one, the NHL, it's your right to test the waters. If you want to come back to sign with the team that you had played with before, then you can do that as well. But he also made a decision to benefit his old team because they exactly. got something back instead of just losing him for nothing in and the summertime. Where, I never understand yeah. why people can be angry I about know. that. And that's where this breakup is great. It's great. And the respect factor that Philly has for Claude Giroux, who's having a good season, by the way, not it's, too bad, 14 games, 15 points. Ottawa's got to pull up yeah. their socks a little bit, but Giroux's doing just fine. Quickly, before we hit the break, the Devils... I am, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. I'm stunned. I'm speechless. I don't have many words to describe what this team is doing. Sorry, Lindy. Can you? <laughs> it's like Eichel. I, I don't know if there's an Eichel comparable to that or something. Maybe not. Maybe there is, but good on the Devils fans. Of course, fans are ruthless. They're going to boo the coach. So they boo the coach to start the season without, without because, just cause, right. without just cause really. Right. So they boo Lindy Ruff. Now, now the Devils are on a heater. Because it's always like the coach's fault. It's always the coach's fault. <laughs> They're like nine and one. If they're scoring goals too, they're not yeah. winning one nothing games. The Devils are scoring goals. So they so the chant the other night was "Sorry, Lindy" instead of booing. And I loved his response afterwards. He's like, "I accept their apology. Maybe we can all sit down and have a beer at some point." <laughs> <Talked about it. laughs> which is great. Which is great. great. Listen, there's no reason to think that this can't be sustainable. Maybe uh, not this pace. He, no, no, no. They're, they're going to regress a little bit. They're not. <laughs> they're not going to win. 120 no, games this year but playoffs i'll call it i'll call it you the devils are in the playoffs i'll call it i'm not so sure but i will say this um, it's because of their goaltending that i'm not so sure because okay. right now their underlying numbers their analytics on offense yep. support what they're doing this is not a happy accident it actually makes sense what they are accomplishing according to the people who crunch this stuff i'm not one of them go read them yeah, but i read either. them and i can tell you that the, the underlying numbers do support what the devils are doing on the ice so far in terms of scoring goals i'm a little bit worried about how whether they're going they're going to continue to stop letting them in on their own end akira schmid Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible run. Good on them. It's been fun. Uh, so that's just in part a bit of a, the week that was in the NHL. We'll take a break. We will come back and we will bring down the clink hammer. We're going to bring down the clink hammer. Bring down the clink hammer. And this is where we are constructively critical. We're just slamming people, Ryan. We are slamming people. See, now we're coming out. The different personalities between <laughs> us are now coming out on this podcast. We'll Const- be back. Constructively. Huxley 7, <laughs> Ryan Payne, Victoria Mattyash. Welcome back to Pucks and 7 with Ryan Payton and Victoria Maddiash. This is Pucks and 7, Ryan Payton, Victoria Maddiash. Follow us on Twitter, Ryan Payton 75 at Victoria Maddiash. We're available on a lot of different platforms for to get your podcasts, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio. The list goes on and on and on. Uh, coming up in the next segment, we'll look ahead to the week to come in the NHL. And, of course, Vic's going to talk about the fantasy side of things, as she does so well with ESPN.com. But now, though, once again, without further ado. Time now to drop the clink hammer. Since you described it so well last week, do you want to describe it again as to what this exactly is? Well, we're basically asking some serious questions of individuals and organizations and different people that are involved in the NHL while they're ma- why they are making some decisions or acting the way they are. And we're taking a critical view of it. Let's put it that way. We're not slamming them. Well, we are in some cases, but in others, we're just <laughs> we're, we're wondering why. Okay. We're wondering why yes. they're taking the approach that they're taking the approach. So the first off, we're wondering why Sheldon Keefe couldn't start Keith Petruzzelli in the second of a back-to-back set over the weekend when Shalgren played on Friday night and it was the stage was perfectly set yep. for this young guy to make his his debut. He's so excited, just signed his first NHL contract. Shalgren was okay on the Friday, but you don't want him to be tired. He ended up winning, to be fair. So, I mean, fair. in retrospect, it looks like a decent decision. But, yeah, I have no issue with somebody playing back-to-back. I've had an issue with goalies playing back-to-back. I think they get babied too much. I really do. There's no, if you want to play Friday, if you want to play Saturday, if you're the number one, I'm not just talking about Toronto, all 31 other teams. If you want to go back-to-back and you feel fine, then do it. You don't. There's no rule that says you have to start your starter and then you have to do the backup. In You're not one, a big load management guy. Don't even get me going with load <laughs> management. I'm not taking away from what they do. I'm not taking away from how tough it is. I totally get that. But they're able to go back to back, especially with this one. There was no traveling involved. 
You play Pittsburgh Friday. You play Vancouver on Saturday, both in Toronto. But I wanted to see Petrozelli play. <laughs> right. That's what I'm getting to. So Sheldon Keefe, and I know he did a classy gesture. He started all Swedes on the opening face-off. Oh, because Salming was in the house. Yeah. Right? So here's the thing. If I was Sheldon Keefe, Petrozelli, I would have started him on Saturday. You mentioned it. Signs the contract. Excited. We've seen the video. Can't wait to start Saturday night, hockey night in Canada at home against not a very good hockey team in Vancouver. Now, And his numbers are great. His numbers are great. With the AHL. Yeah. So give the boy a shot. And what was so interesting, on the opposite end, Bruce Boudreaux's Vancouver Canucks, who do they start? Yeah. Spencer Martin. Exactly. Where does Spencer Martin live? Or where did he grow up? Wow. Oakville, in the greater Toronto area. So he got to play in front of family and friends and all of his entourage. And he didn't win the game, but I'm sure it was no. a very special night for him anyways. And it would have been nice to see the Toronto Maple Leafs do the same thing. I know the job. Listen, listen. I know the job of hockey teams and coaches is to win games. I get that. And you want to do whatever is necessary to win the game. I, from my point of view, this still gave them a very good opportunity to win that game against a struggling Canucks team. I think it would have given them even more of a chance to win. Now, if they lost that game, then the discussion more would have been maybe they shouldn't have started Shalgren. But to your point, they did win. They didn't start off well. They found a way to win. They came back, got the two points and a story. And if if his whole thing was, I want to start the the five Swedes and then the goalie, six Swedes on the ice in response to Borea Salmi to show him all that stuff, fine then. Take Shalgren off. Talk to him before. You're going to start because this is what I want to do to show respect for Borea Salmi. Take him off. Put Petrozelli in. I just think there's no reason why you can't start somebody like that. And it's not this, oh, you've got to be a nice coach. Oh, you have to do the things that, not right for the team, but do something right for, for Petrozelli. To your point as well, he has put up some really good numbers. Give him a shot. If he stinks, if he just stinks the joint out, then pull him. That's fine. But now, Samsonov's going to come back probably sooner than healing. expected. Matt, Matt Murray's, Murray's healing. healing. And he's so not going to get the opportunity. He's not going to get a chance, Vic. It's a bummer. It ticks me off. And yeah, it's I, a bummer. And he's not going to be coming out to the media to say all, all this stuff. But deep inside... Come on. He's going to be super bummed. Come and on, Sheldon Keefe. And this might have been his greatest opportunity, but we're not nearly bringing down the clink hammer as hard on Sheldon Keefe as we are on Jim Rutherford. All right. This situation with What's the Vancouver... What's going on, Vic? What's going this on? This situation with the Vancouver Canucks uh -huh. is, is really boiling my bananas at this point. So basically, they're not playing well. No. They have four wins, I believe, and they are struggling, and they do not look great whatsoever. Four, from, four nine, and three. That's what I thought. Yeah. From the get-go... Jim Rutherford has been slamming mm -hmm. the habits of the team, how they looked in training camp publicly, like mm -hmm. to the media. We're all hearing mm -hmm. this. And he hasn't taken his foot off the gas pedal at all. And all he talks, oh, we're a talented team. We, you know, we do have the, the, the pieces in place, but just their poor habits. And I didn't like how they look doing this and they're disorganized. And that always comes down, that comes down to the coaching. He is slamming Bruce Boudreaux. He's not saying it specifically. I don't like what the coach is doing, but he is saying that. And he's saying it every week now. So the, the the team is in disarray. What do they expect? Are they waiting for their coach to be fired every single day? Because I would be, if I was skating, if I was Bo Horvat or yeah. any, or, or Pedersen, I would be waiting for my coach to be fired every single yeah. day. Bruce Boudreaux, I mean, I know he's a pretty cool collected cucumber, but he's got to be a nervous wreck at this point. And it just feels broken. It feels completely broken. So Rutherford, please, either Fire the guy, hire your own. I know he wasn't your guy. Do it. Drop the second shoe, bring in who you want, or you come out and you go, no, Bruce is our guy and we're going to continue on in this vein and that's what we're going to do. But do one or the other. Stop talking out of one side of your face and not taking any action. I cannot stand that. It's not fair to the players. It's not fair to the fans. This is an ugly situation in Vancouver. Yes, and, and I think the biggest point, and you mentioned it, was that this started when Jim began to discuss about how training camp was and how they were not they ready. Even all this So right then there was the problem. I saw some stats too. Under um, Bruce, when Travis Green was, was let go, the team went 32, 15, and 10. Very respectable. Nothing wrong with that. They like playing for him. But now they're on pace to do worse if say Travis Green was there last year and the pace continued so, to be under so him. Fire and bring so that's, that's the if, issue. If that's what you need to do. Then you do it, but and, do it then. And Bo Horvat, he has a contract coming up. Yeah. He has a contract coming up. And I think on the telecast or something I was reading recently where it was the Canucks also saying, 
you know, a lot of this is going to come down to down to if we play well. If we don't, we know he's going to walk. So all these things are put in place mentally it to every single bad, one though. on the team. It's it terrible. smells really bad. It smells right awful. Now. It smells awful. It really does. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, Just and, pick, pick. You're either going to you're going to be paying because they're still paying Travis Green. So yeah. you're going to be paying Travis Green. You're going to be paying Bruce Boudreaux. You're going to be paying a new coach, whoever yeah. your guy is. Jim Rutherford wants to bring in his guy. That's clear. Yeah. Then you're going to do that. Then do it. But stop talking to the media about and basically slamming your coach in different language yeah. without actually making any changes. Well, there, there's no there's no relationship between. Well, there is. Oh, it's yeah. not a very good one. It's not, you think they're having lunch together right yeah, now? No, that divorce not a, is not uh, a fun lunch. No, you gotta have that divorce soon. I have no time, Vic, for um, a slew foot. I have no time for that in no, Blake Coleman, the National Hockey League. I really don't. I think it's a disgusting play. P.K. Subban, it's glad that he's retired. He signed that contract too. Good for him. But he did quite a bit of that over his time. It's cheap. It's cheap. There's it's cheap, also dangerous. There's cheap plays that happen in hockey. It's incredibly dangerous. It's incredibly dangerous. And you ha- you know, you know what you're doing. Now, I've never, I played hockey a lot. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen visually in front of me something like that happen. Is the mindset going into something like that, I know what I'm about to do, here's what I'm going to do. Or, because something like that to me, my point is, yeah, I don't think Maybe. you can, I don't think it can be spontaneous. I just think, Oh, you you think you have to think? No, so basically, we're summarizing. Blake I think Coleman there, I was, was fined five thousand dollars yeah, for yeah. committing. He's not suspended for committing a slew foot playing for Calgary over the weekend. A very deserved fine. It's a dangerous play, and you're asking if you think that it is thought through. Like, is it premeditated? Basically, I don't like know. First if it, degree murder right. versus. Um, okay, hold on. <laughs> it's a slew foot. Okay, no, no you know what I mean. But yeah, premeditated. Yeah, I do, but my point is, I think what happens is when you get in that specific spot. When the next action is to slew foot, is to do that, pull the body down, put your leg this way, then I think right at that, I think players have a choice. I really do. I don't think players have a ton of choice. All right. I get it. it. You're saying there's several motions involved in it. There is motions involved. It's not an elbow in the head. No. And if I'm going to compare it to, and is this the right comparison? I don't know, but I'm just thinking about this off the top of my head. If I'm going to compare it to somebody in the corner, say you're going in the corner, I'm coming at you full steam. You're, you're, your sides toward me. I can see you. I don't see your numbers. You're fine. My job is to get the puck and to, to get you off the puck and to ride you into the boards. That's the game. Last second, last millisecond, you turn. And it's it, my numbers. It's really tough to stop on a dime. Yeah. I know these guys are good, but when you're, I don't know, five, six, seven, it's really tough. I think with this, when you get into that motion, you can stop if you want to, because God forbid we see something like that this happen, and I'm sure we have before injuries have, have uh, become of it, that leg could completely snap. And someone's career could be it's dangerous. Could be done. I know. I, I know. I'm going a lot into this, but anyway, I have no time for that. So you're not happy with the fine? Would you would like to see a suspension? Yes. Oh, you get fined the max. I absolutely do. Two games. I would say three. Wow, for a slew foot. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. You're harsh. <laughs> Don't even get me going. This is the but, most harsh clinkhammer segment we've had. Anyway, me and the Flames are, by the way, three, five, and two in their yeah. last ten, and uh, they're dwindling in the lower half of the yeah. Pacific Division, and they better get their act together soon. And Blake Coleman, slew footing people, isn't going to help in that regard. No, it's not. Although they did win that game, not because of that. Just a game. Taking a deep breath there. I am. Okay, so we're going to bring down the hammer. <laughs> actually, one more time. Yeah, that actually got me going. Yeah, yeah. Last one. <laughs> Um, so the Michigan, the goal, we're just going to call it the Zegris now. Okay. So Zegris I, with Anaheim scored another one of his lacrosse style goals. And I love it. It's amazing. It's I love entertaining. It. It's yeah. so fun. And it was very exciting as they usually are. We love watching them. You don't even have to be an Anaheim Ducks fan to appreciate no. this whatsoever. Yeah. And then they took a moment and they reviewed it and they called one of the defensemen offside. And he was, he was, and he was, and it completely took the air out of the balloon and it really put a damper on all the fun of that goal. And so we're very mildly bringing the clink hammer down yeah. on the it's review just, system. It's just a tap. <laughs> <laughs> no? I was going to say tickle and that's just okay. disgusting no, word. That so I'm going to drop it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, okay, it's, a, it's a light tap. It's uh-huh. a light tap on the review um, system that the NHL is employing. The video review, which is you want to get it right. And here's what I'm going to say about this. I don't have a solution here. No, no. 
So, I mean, when we address Jim Rutherford and the Canucks and Sheldon Keefe and his uh, fourth string goalie, we can offer some solutions. I don't know what to do here because you want the league to get the call right. And if right. they have to, and it's such a fast game, the refs on the ice can't make the right call all the time. And I respect that. Right. It is fast. They don't, they're not watching it on TV like we are. They're on ice. Mm -hmm. So then they have the opportunity to review it. But when it's taking four or five, sometimes even more minutes for them to figure out, you just it, it kills. It takes the air out of the balloon. It. Yeah. The momentum's gone. The momentum of fun is completely sucked out of the competition. Yeah. It's not fun to watch, but I don't know what to suggest because you want them to get the call right. I don't know what you can suggest because they've been trying to get not just that call right, but calls right in general with hockey and they have put more eyes in the sky. There's different angles every years ago, years ago, there was what three cameras maybe. And I know I'm going back decades, but there wasn't a lot of replay angles that you can see. Right. And it's, and it's, it, it is definitely qualifies as improvements to the right. game. We don't so, want to see a Stanley cup won again by a goal that shouldn't have counted. No, right. No, 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 no. So, 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 to, so to your point, I'm with you. I don't know what, I don't know how you can, how you can address this, but they will, from what I gather, they're going to, at the GM meeting is they're going to have the, which, which is right, which is a good thing to do, but there, and then there's a point too, and then we'll stop at this. There, there's a point at how much tweaking do you need to do? How much tweaking does one sport have to do in order to get it correct? I understand you want it right, but I also understand you don't want to mess any with sport, it every single year. Like we're bringing in, this in. We're any bringing sport, in. Yeah. Yes, I'm in with any sport, you can't take the human element completely out of the game. You can't. You try to win the NHL, you really do, because now the refs have eyes in Toronto, yeah, the you war probably room. probably love umpires in baseball. Right? I do. I do. <laughs> if they go robotic, I'm done with baseball. I'm telling you, I'm done. Because it's been part of the game. It's it's part of it. And I don't envy these officials. It's tough. It's tough. If if you make the right call, the crowd loves you. If you don't, they hate you for forever. And then you, So I get that. But this is discussed so many times and so often at all these meetings. And I know that they've made progress. I get it. Where do they go from here? I don't know. We dropped the Clint camera. We did. We certainly did. Yeah, we certainly did. We're going to take a break, breather, get some air. Uh, we'll come back and we'll go through the week to come and also Vic's Fantasy a segment as well. Pucks and Seven, Ryan Payton, Victoria Nash. Welcome back to Pucks and Seven with Ryan Payton and Victoria Madiage. This is Pucks and Seven. Uh, we're now going to look at the week for vault. That is Ryan. I am Victoria. Ryan Payton, Victoria Madiage. We forget about probably me. specify that. <laughs> don't forget about. Don't forget about us. <laughs> and uh, this is Pucks and Seven, where we look at the week that was some other things and then of course we like to wrap up with the week to come yep. the matchups to look forward to that are on the slate in over the next seven days and why we're looking at those in particular and uh, i think first of all monday night the st louis blues and their one game winning streak hey hey it's something it's, a, gotta, no, it's two it's two are they have they won two yeah, in a row they won two in a row all right. They they won uh, late last week, and then they took on Vegas because they went to Vegas. That was a in, surprising in one. Satur on Saturday. They have won two in a row, you're and right. And they beat Vegas. I remember we had Chris Kerber on, the Blues play-by-play play -play guy in the, uh, on the show, and I said, so Chris, great that you got the monkey off your back with the Blues getting the win. And I said, too bad you have to go to Vegas now. Um, and then at the end of it, I remember him saying, "If they can somehow, not if they can, find, if they can somehow find a way to get a win against Vegas, this is the thing that this team needs because they have been completely underperforming." It's a huge boost. Ryan O'Reilly's been underperforming. There's this his contracts up at the end of the season. There's even discussion last week or two. Oh, if, we're, if the Blues are still in the spot of the deadline, are they going to try to trade him? Because that would be a perfect rental for somebody because he's not under contract. Who with doesn't want that season. guy on your team for a playoff right. push? Yeah, but if the Blues can do this, they've already taken a whole bunch of steps back. So this is big for me. Um, and Colorado, same thing. Avs, is it a Stanley Cup hangover? No. Different lineup, different team. They're missing some, they missed no, no, no Landeskog. That's the big one. Right. And they also have some injuries to key players. That's a Landeskog is the injury. I mean, yeah. they're missing. Kadri's not coming back. Chuskin, he's no, a yeah. <laughs> Chuskin's out. Um, That's right. Gerard's yep. out, right? So they're missing a bunch of guys. And, and they're going to be back soon. Uh, well, some of them, maybe two or three, but Chuskin's out for a while. 
So this is a big one too. If you can somehow just keep the ship afloat, if you will. And they are winning games. And they're doing it. So Logan O'Connor, man. Yeah. Come on, little credit to Logan. And, and you know what? You know that the Blues too, they're going into this one thinking we've won two. Now for some teams, a lot of teams, that's nothing. But for them, it's good. Coming off Vegas, now they take on Colorado. Injured, Stanley Cup champions, they're going to be ready to go. So that's a key game for me. And a, a little tip of the cap to Jordan Bennington, who we actually put through the ringer last oh, we week. Did. Because we he did. Because uh, yeah. he was stinking large. And yes. he actually, he uh, he pitched a gem on Saturday. Yeah. It was, uh, I think he led in a shorthanded goal and an even strength goal. But he came away with the win against a very strong yeah. Vegas team. So kudos to him. Bowen Byram too hurt as well for the uh, Avalanche. So they are they are pretty dealing, banged right? up. They've been yeah. pretty banged up. Pretty banged up with that. Uh, you wanted to quickly um, Minnesota Nashville quickly. Then we can so talk Tuesday moving on to Tuesday. So that's yeah. Monday nights with our key game in our view on Tuesday Minnesota to Nashville. I can't figure either one of these teams out. I watch no. hockey every night. I write about it five days a week. Yeah. Um, I read about it. I I don't know what's going on there. These are two teams that are playing 500 hockey or even worse than 500 hockey in the. Case of Nashville. Yeah. Are, are you mean consistency? You, you don't know why yeah. they can't get on a run. They have, they have the, the, the personnel on the ice from the net out. Yes. Okay. Well, both teams, whether it's Saros in one side or, yeah, yeah. or whether it's Mark Andre Fleury or the other, and then they'll play a game and they'll shut they'll, they'll again, Mark Andre Fleury had a shutout the other day and they look spectacular right. defensively at least. And then they'll, they'll have another game and they'll, they'll score some goals. And then they look like what they're in my mind, what they're supposed to look like with the people they have in place. And mm -hmm. then, then, then they'll lose and they'll lose a game. They shouldn't lose. And then they'll lose a second game that this goes for both teams. They're playing 500 or sub 500 hockey and they are not 500 or sub 500 teams in my view, not with the pieces they have in place. So I want to see the two of them play each other and uh, try to get a greater sense of not what's going right, but what's going wrong and how it can be fixed. Nashville's having trouble scoring. They I remember are. you and I talked about UC Soros uh, a few weeks ago on this podcast, and we said, what's wrong with him? His numbers are not good. They weren't as good as what everybody expects them to be, but is that part in part because the team hasn't been scoring in front of him? Maybe. But Nashville's 28th in the league out of 32 teams. In goal score. That's it's unacceptable. Twenty-eighth in the league out of thirty-two. Minnesota's at twenty-four. So they're not too they only have two more goals than Nashville does, but they're placed a little bit different because there's a few teams in and between. Saros, them Saros played and the New York Rangers the other day and they won. Right, right. And he was spectacular. That's what I mean. I can't get my head around it. Yeah. What's going on with either yeah. one of those teams? So each so. night you're wondering what team you're gonna get. That's exactly That's right. That's pretty much what it is. And it shouldn't be. They, a lot of teams in the NHL, you can put them in that category. Nashville should more like 75%, 80% of the time, you will have an idea you should with Nashville on how that team's going to be. People have them the um, winning the Central. Oh, yeah. oh, I know. I know. Did I? No, I don't think I did. Maybe. I, I, uh, I may have. <laughs> oh, so not people, but I, as she's looking. I'm, I'm yeah. people. I know. Uh, Philly Columbus, I just had it down. Just, I mean, okay. it's only fun because <laughs> Tortorella, they were, they were right there. Tortorella and his Philadelphia Flyers visited last week, lost. Yeah. It bugged him. You could tell yeah. when the reporter asked the uh, asked a particular question, and he responded with, "That's none of your business." Mm -hmm. Which I mean, a reporter is asking a question. You're a professional hockey coach in the NHL. Of course, it's our business. It was his their business to ask, and it's your business to answer. And I'm sorry you're in a bad mood, but so I want to see. This is a bit of a revenge game for Torts, who I like, and to see him come back and hopefully uh, for, for Flyers fans hopefully make amends for the 5-2 loss last week. I think that's going to be top of everybody's minds. Chuck Fletcher said, I think during his career that he's almost always talked to the media after every game. I don't think it will be an issue moving forward because he sent Brad Shaw to speak after the loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Torts, just deal with it. Honestly, just deal with it. It is what it is. Anyway. Uh, LA Edmonton, we bring it up on Wednesday. Um, big thing is Evander Kane. First of all, Huge uh, loss. Glad that he did not. Glad it wasn't worse than it. Uh, no, you're fine. Okay. Glad it wasn't worse than it. Than it. You don't want to see anybody injured. Could have been. Yeah. So three to four months. Not you just came, fan. I know. I know. You don't want to see anybody injured under under any any uh, circumstances. But he scores. Yeah. His ex-wife wasn't. Uh, oh boy. Just displeased about. Anyway, uh, he lives anyway, life yeah. a certain way, and I don't so, necessarily love it. No, no. Fair enough. But uh, the injury caused now uh, Edmonton to think, okay, who is going to come up and, and not come up, but who's going to step in and take his place? And they, they tried Warren Fogle the other day and it actually is that worked, the answer? It worked okay. No, that's not the answer. Is that the term. three, four month answer? No, I don't, I don't believe so, but I don't know. I don't know. 
What about Jesse Puliarvi? Okay. I mean, they have him up on the other top six he's line right so now. He's been so odd to me since he's been in the league. I just, I, I want him to break out. I really do consistently, but I just, I don't get it. The team. He's a puzzle. People really like him. They're like, he's the nicest guy. So you are rooting for him. It's much easier to root for people who are pleasant than those who are not. And he does have all the tools in place. And he was, I believe, drafted in his draft uh, year third overall, I believe. I think. I I believe. Anyways, high. And he's always been the perennial disappointment. And he left and he came back and you thought, okay, that's going to fix the problem. And he's going to give it another go with Edmonton. And it's all sorted out. And it wasn't. And last season, he got off to a banger of a start. He was amazing to start. First month last year was great. And then he became what we were accustomed to watching before. So I like to always see him get a go in that top six, whether it's with Dreisaitl, whether it's with Connor McDavid. So we'll have to see how that all works out, but he's just not consistent at all. No. Uh, drafted four, Pierre-Luc Dubois, oh, third right. in that one, PLD. Um, Dylan Holloway, oh. another example. Again. Kyler I mean, Yamamoto, maybe another one. I'm, I'm just throwing names. We don't have to spend tons of time on it, but I'm just throwing names out that. I don't if think this, Dylan Holloway is the, is okay. the answer either. So this is going to be for uh, Edmonton, kind of uh, something by committee. You know, it's not going to be, it's going to be one, maybe one night, one the next, one the next, whatever it is. Because Edmonton and Calgary, they have How not do you been. develop chemistry when you do that, though? I don't know. You don't. I was never good at it. But so they're not going to replace Kane. No, there's very no. few players in this league that score goals like he does. No, so they're not going to replace him. Calgary, Tampa. Well, I mean, that's just fun because right, watching the Flames right now is uh, interesting. Yes. I don't understand why they're playing as poorly as they are. And that no. Florida trip against the Tampa Bay Lightning and then in Florida, yeah. which I mean, there's a relationship there with right. everything that tra- all the transactions yeah. that happened over the summer. Yeah. So that's going to be curious as well. So Calgary has a couple of big ones coming up. And um, before Daryl Sutter actually explodes in front of our own eyes, they need to <laughs> they need to start winning some hockey games. Yeah, but don't we want to see Daryl explode? Half of me does. <laughs> <laughs> but they're underperforming right now. I know. Now they played well over the weekend and that might hopefully is going to be the start of something, but from goal out, they're just, they haven't been who they should be. Everyone's waiting for Calgary just to go. And this is going to be a pun. And they probably will. And they probably will. Yeah. So, but it's uh, right. It's been a, it's been an interesting couple of weeks for them. So the, 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 the Florida trip is going to be an interesting one. It's going to be big. Uh, Seattle Kraken last one too. We had on Saturday, the LA Kings, uh, even though the time we do in this podcast, the Jets beat Seattle overtime, all that type of stuff doesn't matter. I love Seattle. I'm a huge fan of Seattle. As long as they keep being Seattle, go on them, do it. I'm never going to drop the clink camera on you, by the way. That's our last game. You want to talk? Uh, I mean, they've lost a couple in a row, but they didn't lose them poorly. No. So we'll see if they get and back know, on track. Do you know that they went on a stretch before, I think, one game last week where they had scored at least three 10 straight games? 10 straight games, Seattle, the Seattle Kraken. They're an offensive powerhouse, Ryan. Three or more. They're an offensive powerhouse. Right. Didn't you know? No. Go to fantasy. <laughs> Go to fantasy. You know what? This is an awesome segue. I'm going to, uh, five players I'm looking at right now who are uh-huh. underappreciated uh-huh. in ESPN.com fantasy leagues. And so that means they're going to be underappreciated everywhere else, whether right. you like daily fantasy or you play elsewhere. Right. Uh, let's start with Seattle. Martin Jones. Yes. Okay, before, okay, I'm not diving in head first without even checking what's at the bottom of the pool here, okay? I'm still, there's a little trepidation with endorsing Mm -hmm. the goaltender for the Seattle Kraken, especially one who has not necessarily enjoyed that much success before in the NHL. No. But he's playing well. There's a lot of people that share that sentiment. But he's playing Martin well. Martin Jones, they'll say, but but this, but this, but, but this, but, but this. But, but, but he's playing well, though. So I would say if you're in a situation where you can stream or you have the bench spots and you can maybe like work it out, you're not going to give up a, a top-tier goaltender and bring in Martin Jones instead. But if you have flexibility on your roster or if you do play daily fantasy, this is somebody to look at for a, a, the foreseeable future until it doesn't work right? It works until it doesn't. And he may continue to be that guy. Every year we get that guy or a couple of those, that guys. And he may be that at least the first half of the season. We'll have to see. The overall numbers on a second year team in the NHL for Martin Jones, 12 games started 7-4-0-2, 2.38 goals against 909 save percentage. There's nothing wrong with that. The save percentage isn't amazing, but the rest of it is good. On Seattle. Yeah, but fantasy managers don't care where you play. I know, I know. 
but I'm just saying 909. Anyway, go on. Next. So that's my that's my goaltender that you could probably grab for absolutely nothing. On defense, everybody loves to slam this guy for the way he plays the game defensively. Fantasy managers don't care about how you play defensively. Tyson Berry is scoring. Oh. And he is underappreciated across the yeah. board as well. He scores, man. I, yeah. I don't know what you want. Does yeah. he block a lot of shots? No. It doesn't if that's matter. a huge category, if that's a huge category in your league, right. sure, maybe look right. elsewhere. Right. But you've got those guys, yep. you know. Um, but he puts the but he contributes to the score sheet more often than not. And when he is on the power play, a lot of times he's often on the powers on the that top helps. unit. That helps. And he gets his power play scoring, yeah. and those are your bonus marks, basically. In in, in he fantasy had two goals the other night, I think, didn't he? He, he did. Two, he's uh, he's yeah. scoring a lot right yeah. now, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. he's uh, available in about half of ESPN.com leagues, which makes absolutely zero sense to me. Up front, Kirby Doc. Um, he's mm-hmm. on the top line with Montreal. He's scoring. He's also a very talented player, so that's not a a bad star to hit your fantasy cart to. Uh, Carter Verhage gets absolutely. I had him last week. I don't care. I'm saying it again. He gets no respect in fantasy forums. Yeah, you did say this last. He's week. amazing. I'm, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. He's playing on the top line with the Panthers, and he's just every single night he does something and he puts up points. And I have no idea why people don't love him. Jason Zucker with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm a big Zucker fan, and I have been for a long time. In mm-hmm. fits in starts there aren't that many players in fantasy that run as hot and cold as he does and he's hot right now he he can skate like the wind yeah the guy is so fast when he gets it all together and he's filling a top six role with the penguins right now and he is scoring and he is incredibly underappreciated in fantasy forums so that's somebody to keep in mind he is going to drop off i can almost guarantee it just because that's his resume he is going to drop off but until he does you might as well take advantage of it he had a line recently, and I think it was just based on the last week that he's had. Um, and as you say, he's you know he'll drop off at some point, but at this point, it's it's nice. He said that he hated the game. He said I hated the game last year. It was some sort of quote he had not too long ago. So he seems to take a lot of things to heart. I've seen him in interviews, yeah, yeah. and he seems like a pretty emotional guy too. And I think he feels all of it, but he's feeling really good right now. Yep. And for fantasy managers, that's something uh, we appreciate. So there's my fantasy five for the uh, for this week. Broken leg, uh, 2021, uh, core muscle right. surgery. To, and in, so the last, two, I, I would hate it too if, if I was battling injury. It's a tough game. That whole time. Yeah, it is. Uh, been a lot of fun. We're back at it again next week uh, for another edition of Pucks and 7. We'll look at the week that was next Monday and a take a look to the week to come. And also uh, Vic's fantasy uh, stuff going to be back and we will drop the clink hammer again. On behalf of Victoria, I'm Ryan. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at RyanPayne75 at Victoria Matiash. Get us wherever you get your podcasts as well. This has been Pucks in 7. This has been Pucks in 7 with Ryan Payton and Victoria Matiash. Available wherever you get your podcasts.